Good evening, everyone. Welcome in to episode 23 of the Fused Relativity Podcast. Happy to be here on Saturday night, as always. Uh, Chris here, doing pretty good tonight. Happy to be here. What are you a cop? Uh, question mark. Kirk. That, you, you expect my name. Like, what are you, a cop? You asked me what my name is. Well, that's, a, that's a legit answer. What are you, a cop? Who, who are you? Who is this guy? Is, uh, my name is none of you the business. That's who. <laughs> oh, that's, that's who I am this week. But seriously, like, I, I get nervous when cops follow me on Twitter. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> they may not like my jokes. Who knows? Sure. Um, I don't so anyway, either, but. Can I, can I have, I have a quick ethical, can I have a quick, just a, a uh, I want to bounce something off of you real quick. Sure. All right. I live, uh, I live in a condo and I walk my dog and every once in a while, you know, I'll see the same lady walking her dog. And for the last six months, this lady has called my dog the wrong name. And, uh, I don't know where some, my dog's name Shoop, like salt and pepper, you know, make him want to shoot. Uh, for some reason, this lady calls her Cinder. And it seems like I'm past the point of no return where I can like, actually that's, and who cares, right? What am I to get? Like, I guess, is there an argument for me to correct this lady and stop her from calling her Cinder? Well, first off, Kirk, I feel as though shame on that lady. Cause Shoop, you know, Hey, stoop, but Cinder, like that's not even close. And I, there's another dog in the like that i've never met a dog that looks similar that's called cinder so i don't think it's so and i i don't know where she came up with that name because i didn't say that <laughs> i bet shoop's not too happy about it you know the lady gives her treats i'm amazed the amount of people walking dogs that have treats because shoop will stop them and sit there and make them give her food she's <laughs> like i'm a dog you have dog treats clearly gimme and they do it's weird. So this Shoop loves this lady. She doesn't care. She'll be Cinder. All right. Well, <laughs> we'll just that's just got to be her stage name now. Because six months in, I think it. Like if you were gonna make that, you know, adjustment, you probably should have done that like third day in. So six months, you let it go. I think Cinder is just a Shoop <laughs> stage name. John, do you verify? Because that's I, I think yeah. I'm kind of past the point of no return. <laughs> just a little. Either that or you just go crazy. You know, you're like, listen here, lady. The dog's name is Shoop. Just snap. I've had enough. You've called <laughs> my dog the wrong name. <laughs> That'd be an odd. I hand her like a business card. There. So you remember. You turn out <laughs> one business card. I have a lot of free time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think it's stuck there. But, you know, it is what it is. She gets, Shoop gets treats. We'll yeah, just, she, doesn't, she doesn't care. Yeah. Well, John, another nice uh, adjustment to the podcast this this week. We had a new starting now screen, or starting soon screen anyway. Uh, really like that. Nice upgrade. How are you uh, doing after that? Oh, that, I mean, my computer's hating me, but that actually wasn't too bad. It was getting that stupid new logo to work that was the uh, the pain. Just as an anime, do you get postpartum depression? Like you, 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 you birth that animation sequence, so you're exhausted, and then you think it doesn't call enough. No, no, no. <laughs> okay. Not so much. 
Not so much. Okay, so you didn't cut the imp- Okay. Good to know. Well, I'm I'm real happy with how things are shaking up because you've been uh, kind of on a roll the last couple of weeks. So, you know, keep it up or just ride those coattails. Just whatever <laughs> you want to do. But the uh, everything's shaping up pretty nicely. You don't so. tell him you can coast. You you <laughs> like you get you give him a subpar compliment to make him want to. You know, all right, I'll really show him. You're really screwing this up. Now he's just gonna he's gonna goof off for the next three months. Way to go, Chris. <laughs> Well, you know, what, I don't know, it's already out there, so I can't, I mean. You know who I blame? I blame your mustache most of all, and I don't know why, but that, it was the mustache's fault. Always is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so what, what are we talking about? We got some space, we got some new billionaire space shenanigans happening? Kind of. There was. There was a lot to talk about this week. Uh, should be a pretty uh, packed episode. There was... There was some news. We have some SpaceX news. We got some Mars news. We got there's news. Well, on Kirk's Corner, of course. Don't don't forget. That. I mean, that's <laughs> yes. Don't forget well, that's, that. That's like the reason people listen to the show. So we never forget that. <laughs> yes. If, if 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 we found out one thing Americans love is corners. So. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Unless you're baby. <laughs> that you don't put baby in the corner. You know what I mean. What about a toddler? You, to, that toddler's got to go in the corner when they, they do bad. That's where toddlers go. But babies, no. And as much as they mess up, you'd think they do like corners. You know? They want to be over there in the corner. Right. It's like sort of baby solitaire. They can't, you know, there's, they're playing a harmonica. If they're in there for 24 hours, they slowly go crazy. Those prison documents documentaries are crazy. Anywho. Any, anyway... <laughs> John, why don't you take it away with uh, some SpaceX news? Because I know that's right on uh, right on the tip of the the tongue there. Yeah, so they're moving fast. I mean, they said when at the beginning of you know, probably not the beginning of the year. It was probably around like March, April, that they wanted to do the sub or the orbital test by July. Obviously, that didn't work because things so now they're they're very quickly ramping up and i'm going to switch over to uh hopefully this is the correct one so we're we're leaving the satellite of love as i yes. dubbed it <laughs> there, there we it is. go wait we're back oh, now we're gone okay. <laughs> so this is the bottom of starship 20 and just just because and before you start talking too much, I just had to point out, I saw that they had fully stacked the new star or the next test starship. And Elon was bragging that he has the biggest phallic looking rocket ever built. Just throwing it out there. So well, one I'm, up phallic, phallicking them. Is yours? Yeah. He's, he's the bragging. Space rocket dick. Yeah. <laughs> but he's not wrong. Because this is 18 meters taller than the Saturn V, not the Starship, the whole the whole rocket. Yeah, I uh, think it said 300 feet tall or something oh, stupid like that. It's 120 meters, so almost. How, how many people? How many people can fit in here? Because like they, like I think they had like 20 or something on the last one. Well, they don't know. 
They don't know. Well, he wanted a hundred, then it moved to twenty, but that just kind of all depends on what performance they get out of it and how they can maximize the space upstairs. So, and there's always that one guy who brings the extra carry-on bag. So, and just to I give mean, a sense of scale, this is the uh, this is the bottom of the booster, BN three. So those are where the, the flames are going to come out of. That's where the yeah. explosion happens. Oh That's wow! Twenty-seven engines on the bottom of that. That's a lot of thrust. And. Uh, yeah, it's a it's a massive rocket. So, like Chris was saying, they did stack the uh, stack Starship Twenty on top of the booster to get it. Essentially, everyone's speculating that this was just a test fit. There was also some speculation that this was kind of a rush move to force the FAA to hurry up. Because, I, oh, go ahead. I was just gonna say, didn't Elon tweet something that said that he was ready to go up into orbit? Uh, probably. So, yeah. The what's other than a few things like installing the rest of the heat shield and um, pressure testing and static firing everything, this Starship is ready to go. Uh, Wait. So, were you, are you were you saying that it's it's the launch is being rushed to sort of piggyback on in succession of the kind of like, hey, we're part of this rocket blast to get more attention? Is that why it's? Oh no no no! Because no. Okay. Elon Musk is so far ahead of the other two; it's not even funny. So um, this is the this is the fanciest one. Like this is the. This is the Mars rocket, Kirk. This yeah. is the one that he's trying to take to Mars. All the way to oh wow! So. It's kind of a – a lot of people He's, could see it as this was the answer to Bezos and Branson doing what they did. It's not. I think them putting this and stacking it and getting it ready is to push the FAA because they're currently doing an environmental survey on the launch site itself. And with the fact that they have it stacked and everything's saying, hey, we're good to go, just waiting on you – the the speculation is it's going to try and push the FAA into letting the environmental survey out and then it's a 30-day public comment section or session after the assessment's out and i think they're just trying to get it to go hey we're ready just waiting on you which they've done before you kirk you can't just like build a 300 60 foot rocket and then shoot it in the air without getting approval from basically the government. So there's a lot of red tape that they got to cut through to get this thing up in the air. So you're saying Wiley Coyote didn't know how good he had it. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty okay. much. Yeah. It's different. Things are different nowadays. <laughs> the, the HOA is going to complain. If you start building a rocket in your front yard, you'll get letters. Well, <laughs> And this is this is just my opinion, John, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but sometimes it kind of feels like it's Elon and SpaceX against the government. Like sometimes it feels the government doesn't want necessarily him to be shooting this rocket up into space. Ah, uh, no, I wouldn't go that far. For a lot of reasons, but I I yeah, I wouldn't go that far. 
Mm. Just seems like every time I see a story, it's like FAA hasn't cleared the rocket this yet. Well, that's I mean that's partially true because they haven't cleared the rocket yet. Um, and it's not so much an issue of are they going to clear it or anything like that. It's they have to get the environmental assessment done and <clears throat> excuse me, they have to. Um, I mean that's essentially what's holding them up right now is the environmental assessment. Otherwise, I mean this is good to go. The problem they're having is the old FAA regulations are designed for a space operator or spaceship company that launches a couple rockets a year. And as we've seen, uh, SpaceX is trying to do hundreds a year. So they're worried about a quota? They're like, whoa, 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 you've got too many rockets? Well, it's not just that. It's just the approval process, the the red tape to get it to go is designed for companies that have the time to do it. And that's kind of what is causing a lot of issues. And that's why Bezos is being a little picky about and trying to badmouth SpaceX right now. Because... You know, they have, they're not even close to having an orbital rocket. Their little new Glenn is, you know, it's nothing compared to what SpaceX has been doing. SpaceX has orbital missions. They have orbital crew missions. Even Starliner is possibly going to be delayed until next year. And that's just for the test flight. SpaceX is trying to get this going and get it going fast. Would you say they're in the highway to the danger zone? <laughs> yes. Okay. Is that By Kenny way, Loggins? You throwing out Kenny Loggins right now? I believe that would be Kenny Loggins right now. By the way, if, if you, the highway to the danger zone, if it's clogged, it's, sometimes it's easier to take the surface streets. Just no one ever wrote that song. <laughs> the surface, surface streets to the danger zone eventually. Come on, sometimes. traffic joke, nothing. <laughs> No. <laughs> First, you throw out Kenny Loggins, and then you throw out a traffic joke. Come on, Kirk. But okay, what are we talking about? <laughs> uh, anyway, so that that's kind of why I find it funny because Bezos came out and said that um, Starship is too complicated for the lunar mission, and from the comments I was reading, it's complicated because it has an elevator. And that's what they're trying to, or Blue Origin is trying to say is, oh, SpaceX is, you know, it's too complicated to land on the moon. The counterpoint to that is there's so much cargo capacity with the Starship that the the workaround to, well, what if the elevator gets stuck? They're like, okay, well. So what, what, is it an elevator, that essentially the thing that would lower them to the actual surface so they can get out? Is what I'm yes. picturing? Yeah, that's exactly okay. it. And so I'm also picturing an old-timey elevator operator from the 1920s. I thought it should be more modern than that, but they they did an odd choice. Well, uh, I think it I think it's just petty because I'm pretty sure Bezos just wanted Amazon to be the first deliveries to the moon. So, 
<laughs> the moon, yeah, the Mars now has Prime. It's a Prime member, so it's, <laughs> yes. you, you get it. You get in two days. I don't know how they do it. They're gonna kill themselves. <laughs> but but no, Bezos. It's funny because he seems like a he's acting like a real baby with this, just simply because SpaceX got picked to do the lunar missions. Ever since then, he's been bashing on them. Just be, oh well, you know, you got picked. We didn't. We're gonna have to find a way to screw you over so we get a contract and it's all petty things that and that's the the kicker is starship can take a whole lot of mass to mars or not mars moon and that's part of the reason why nasa picked them is because they have that operational cargo capacity whereas uh blue origin and the other one don't you know you kind of have to pack and pack tight with you know very little wiggle room for error. SpaceX was like, oh, well, if the elevator goes out, we'll just stow a rope ladder. We'll or, take the stairs. Or, yeah, or, well, and that was the thing, is they wanted them to put a super long ladder on it. And it's like, well, there's an elevator, or you could have a rope ladder, or, you know, have the parts to fix the elevator. And that was the thing, was the Starship can carry as much as they want on it without much detriment because it's when it lands on the surface it's going to completely lift off and leave almost nothing behind whereas you know blue origins design was very reminiscent of the apollo lunar uh, lander Wait, right, this is going to be one of those sort of uh it'll fly all the way to mars and sort of do one of those touch down backwards landing where it, like lands standing up Would so kirk, kirk just to just to clarify we're talking about them going to the moon just oh yeah okay so the moon so reverse so is that what's is it gonna is it doing one of those landings on the moon yeah just like the falcons land on earth it's just gonna do the same thing on the moon and then it can take off when it wants to leave yeah same way okay and because it's you know essentially a whole vehicle in and of itself it's not leaving behind you know uh, the the lunar base it's not trying to rendezvous with uh something in the in orbit it it's kind of the the enclosed system everything's there i'm sure i'll leave some litter like you know like a subway wrapper or something <laughs> just out of force to have it flick a cigarette butt out the window on the way out yeah styrofoam coffee cup all right let's roll <laughs> <laughs> but that's yeah it's just it doesn't make any sense because SpaceX right now is on the verge of revolutionizing space travel. And once this goes up, if everything is successful and everything does what it needs to do, there could very well be a hundred of these launching within the next few years on their way to Mars. And once it, le how long will it take them to get? Wait, are we talking about Mars or the Moon again? Mars this time. All right. How, moon how long moon will is it a take side project. Them? Okay, so for just from blasting like this thing right here, this rocket, when it wants to go, when it's going to Mars, like three months. Like how it seems like it's going to take a while. Six months. Six months. Six months. Okay, double it. Okay. But and the Moon is like the Moon is three days, Kirk. All right, that's not that bad. It's like cross cross country. Let's do it. <laughs> but it's, <laughs> and that's the the big difference is, 
you know, if you're trying to go up, I mean, I'm sure everyone's seen the, was it was the Apollo 11 movie, right? Tom Hanks? Yes. Uh, no, yeah. Apollo 13. 13, yeah. 13, yeah. You know, yes, those cabins are a little bit spacious, but they're still very tight and cramped. You know, you're trying to fit a bunch of people into, you know, a nine-foot radius spaceship. And the trip to Mars with one of those would be unfeasible. It's just too cramped, nowhere to go, all of that stuff. Even the ISS is a bit on the cramped side for living for a year. Whereas when you have this, you know, you've got what is essentially a small, I mean, apartment complex basically inside of that ship. Because it's 27 feet across and 360-ish feet high. Well, no, no, no. That's the whole rocket. Um, I'm trying to think. Hmm. I think Starship itself is like well, it's a third, so probably about 100 feet, which means there's about 60 feet, so six stories at 27 feet across. Yeah, you can move around in there. I heard just because it's so much more spacious and they don't want them to get soft, they're going to put a pair of eight-year-olds. They're going to send <laughs> a pair of eight-year-olds up with them just to go, you're not going to have it. You're not out that easy. I think so, it, scientifically, I don't know how that helps them. I think it's more of a dick move myself. And what you were kind of talking about just a minute ago, John, which is something that I was going to talk about later on, but I'll touch on it now, is I like Musk time compared to NASA time. Well, you say it happens faster? I mean, Musk time itself is unreasonably fast. SpaceX time is still ridiculously fast, but... Just to put it into comparison, the SLS, which is technically smaller than this rocket, has been in development for over 10 years. They still haven't even come close to setting it up to launch. I think the last thing they did was static fire the engines. And this is, you know, he very well could have a full orbital starship by the end of the year. Right. And he, you know, essentially, I mean, and it makes sense, the uh, NASA works under government control, kind of. So, you know, funding and the amount of money that people are making off of these contracts and everything just moves a little slower because they want to make sure they get it all 100% right before they launch so that there's as least amount of risk as possible. And the red tape you're talking about, exactly what you're talking about. They're just the amount of red tape you got to go yeah, through. Yeah, there's yep. a lot of red. Red tape is, is what kind of controls NASA. Whereas you look at something like SpaceX that's a private company, they could pretty much do and pay for whatever they want. And everything's quite a bit cheaper because they're outsourcing or doing their own work and not having to answer to anybody. So... They move. Eh, that's that's some of it. The other big thing with them is they are not taking the traditional space approach of build something that you 100% know is going to work, like Boeing, where they keep finding issues that keep canceling the mission. Um, they're 
I guess, just repertoire is build it, test it. If it blows up, learn from it, do it again. And as fast right, as they, possible. Look how many times they tried to land this, you know, the the rocket before they actually succeeded. You know, they, they're like, all right, that one blew up. Don't do that again. Well, and technically, all of them did exactly what they were supposed to. They all flipped. They all, you know, attempted to land. The things that caused them issues was that there was certain limitations with how they were building the ship. So they went back and kind of iterated and to fix the problems, but they could do it extremely quickly. And that's what led them to landing uh, the Starship and then just scrapping the rest and moving on to the, the first orbital one. That's kind of my point, right? Is if it were, let's say it was NASA who had a rocket go up, flip, and then explode, there would be six months of investigation into what happened. And, you know, there's just a lot more involved with because they're so visual. You know, they have to kind of report everything. Well, yes, but you also don't get the rapid iteration that. SpaceX has taken on like and that's part of the problem that they've been having with like the FAA and everything like that is if they find a problem they immediately go in fix it even if it means redesigning some parts and to the FAA that's now a different spaceship than the one that flew before them so they have to completely redo all the paperwork to get this spaceship going now because they changed something. They had the same issue with the Falcons. Like if they if they didn't have that regulatory limitation, they would have just kept upgrading and updating the Falcons as they went. But every time they did, NASA and everything saw it as a completely different spaceship that needed to have its regulations redone. They can't just go like it's just like an upgrade. It's like this is just space. This is rocket eleven point one, and let it move it on. They got to reinvestigate it from well, scratch. And yeah, and that's what it took them so long to get the Crew Dragon done, is because they wanted a flight proven booster with, or flight proven rocket with X amount of flights. Well, the problem was SpaceX was developing and iterating so fast that. Every time they did, they had to kind of restart the the counter for getting the crew certified or crew version certified. Because they wanted the same rocket built the same way to fly those missions and not one that was slightly altered. I heard that the flight attendants on the rocket trip to Mars, it's going to take a lot of child care. They're going to be gone <laughs> for a while. So they got to think of that. Or, you know, forever. Probably forever. By the time they come back, they should be grown. So they'll they'll be they'll be teething. They'll be eating on their own. <laughs> well, and it kind of ties into the one of the other things I wanted to talk about, John, which was the James Webb Telescope. And this kind of ties perfectly together because one of the stories that I saw today that piqued my interest was. They are getting ready to pack up and launch the James Webb, which is the replacement for the Hubble telescope. And they said 
essentially they've been working on this thing for years and they're worried about sending it up into space because the darn thing is so complicated that they're worried it's not going to correctly unfold when it gets to where it's going. And that it's going to, you know, they're saying that it's unrepairable if it doesn't unfold correctly. So they were kind of worried about the whole process. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense. Look at the Hubble. It went up and didn't work, and they had to send up a uh, uh, the shuttle to fix it. What are the options? It seems like it's it's built, so just roll the dice, or you then keep it and then re readjust it and you know for for months or years to tweak it like i mean at a certain point if it's done well we got it might as well see what it does right well and that that was part of the story that i read was that i can't remember who the gentleman was who was commenting he was involved with the project in some fashion but he was basically saying that um it took years of trial and error and they had to call in different engineers and do all these different things. And it cost all this money where I feel like if it were SpaceX, they would have just kept building different versions of the same Eh, telescope. No, the, the thing is, is they were trying to make it redundant and that because a lot of people don't want what happened to the Hubble happen again because technically there is no uh, spaceship right now in service anywhere in the world that could service anything in space. We do not have that type of thing. When the shuttle was retired, it kind of took away repairing stuff in space. There's no tow truck in space out there right now. There's nothing that can go dock and bring actually there in is. And, is it, okay. Does it have mud flaps of the the hot ladies in the bikinis? No, but okay. it's funny you bring that up because there is a towing satellite out there that goes up to geosynchronous orbit, hooks onto the satellites that have run out of. Actually, I don't know if it's up there. I think it is but it hooks onto the satellites that are up there and tows them back to their correct orbit until their operational lifetime is end and then parks them in a graveyard and then goes to the next satellite. I heard if you have AAA, the first five miles are free. (laughs) So that's nice. That's a nice plus. Yeah, that's that's about a, you know, what, a tenth of a second, John? So maybe not even, it's, it's probably less than it's that. It's something, it's something, <laughs> but yeah, it's, you, you got a lot longer to go. I'm sure, <laughs> I'm sure it's farther than five miles. I mean, they're, they're traveling at like, you know, 14 to whatever, 17,000 miles per hour, you know. Uh, the geosynchronous ones, I don't know how fast they go. I would have, yeah, I don't want to guess. But to, to swing back to the point we were trying to make is that's that's kind of what I assume is most of the concern is when the Hubble was launched, we had the, the shuttles, which were capable of fixing any problem that happened in space with it. We don't have that with James Webb, theoretically. Well, and one of the sticking points, which is 
uh, why they're having doubts about it breaking is because it's going kind of far away. It's going to, is it LaGrange 3? 2, I believe. LaGrange 2? Yeah. Which is... Space, can't these space billionaires create a, a tow, their own, essentially, a version of the space shuttle to go... I mean, if they're going to be blasting a thousand rockets to you know, Mars or the moon, it seems like that would be a no-brainer. Well, James Webb is government-owned. Yeah, they're... That one's a NASA project, so that one can't be touched by the but, private. But you're not wrong. Because if you look at Starship, in theory, it could be outfitted to do servicing missions. And it's it's months away from flying into space. So I say the private sector is going to take care of this problem before NASA can catch up because they move so slow. Well, I don't... It's not a problem that they were thinking they were going to have. You know, if you if you think long term, look at the Hubble. It took almost 30 years before it. Well, I say it took almost 30 years. It broke almost instantly. Um, but it it went 10 plus years without any issue. I'm assuming NASA was hoping that by the time they had issues with the James Webb, there would be something to go up and service it. And James sounds like a bank. It sounds like a boring <laughs> Hubble's Hubble is a much better name. But yeah, anyway. Well, the uh, I kind of hope eventually SpaceX does get a contract to go fix and outfit their ships to fix things because that would stick in Bezos's craw a little bit. You want my opinion? Bezos isn't going to have an orbital rocket for another five years. Easy. By then, SpaceX is going to be launching ships to Mars. And Bezos is going to be trying to get off the planet. Well, especially because I'm pretty sure that the price tag on the suborbital flights... Did Chris just drop out? I was going to say, yeah. I was kind of waiting there for I, a second. I think I did because I only caught half of what you just said and I was kind of talking and then didn't hear anything except and for it was the smartest. It was the smartest thing you ever said and we missed it. <laughs> oh, nah. we, well, we missed it. Society's lost, basically. <laughs> uh, no, I was, I was going to say that, uh, especially since they upped the price tag of the suborbital flights that they're looking to do i think it was virgin galactic who did but it might have been blue origin anyway it was like four hundred and fifty thousand dollars a seat is what so they're if you get if you use expedia you can get a little cheaper but it's you have to have a layover pain in the ass <laughs> see and that's that's what kills me is because spacex the cost of the starships right now is estimated in just a couple millions of dollars because they're essentially yeah. just stainless steel grain silos. So if you really wanted to stick it to them, like thousand bucks a head. All right, let's go. Boom. Well, and take see, that, Bezos. And I think that's exactly what's going to happen. I know we've drifted off topic again, but like we've talked about before, if Starship 
is cleared to do suborbital uh, transatlantic or you know Pacific flights, it could very well cost just a thousand dollars to, you know, go from Texas to Hawaii in forty minutes. Yep, we talked about that last week or the week before. You know, we kind of jumped in on that, and I think you're right. I mean, essentially. But we'll see. That may not be on their glimpse of radar for what they're looking to do. But, I mean, it's... Well, it is, kind of, because he does want that. He wants it to be kind of the next evolution of flight. Because if you could, you know... Granted, it's not going to be massive like a 747 or some earth they stuck in 747 they have 87s don't they you know it's not going to be one of those big jumbo jets that can you know cram people in but if you could get from texas to australia in 40 minutes what's the downside of that sure it might take a couple hours no before meal yeah, it might take a couple hours before the flight and a couple hours after the flight to, you know, get everything in and out. But that's still going to be monumentally shorter than the – I don't even know how long yeah. it is. I'm assuming it's like a 12-hour flight to Australia. I, I flew to Australia. It was about 13 and a half. It was, it's long. So, but, yeah, 40 minutes would be much better because Australia and New Zealand are fun. But you're only so. going to see like half the movie. That's, that's <laughs> going to be no fun. You know, I you watched will... I watched two movies, ate twice, and then had two beers, and I still had twelve hours to go. I was like, God <laughs> damn it! Like <laughs> this is taking so long. But I mean, the if movie you... the movie was an hour and a half, and yet it only took me ten minutes. <laughs> yeah, I stayed I stayed on the plane until I finished the movie. They're like, Sir, you have to go. I'm like, Wait, wait, wait! It's almost over. Hold on, I'm I'm emotionally invested. <laughs> But, I mean, that's the thing is, even if you have to, you know, even if it's a three hours that you have to show up early and then get on the starship and then wait and then, you know, the flight's 40 minutes, that flight is going to be exhilarating as hell because not only are you going to get probably about 20, 30 minutes of weightlessness, you're also going to be, you know, going up into space and then coming back down. And the, you only get a, a crying baby for 40 minutes. So it's less crying baby. Yeah, but See, when you get into weightless, weightlessness, that's going to be the moment everybody opens their peanuts. And then there's just going to be peanuts everywhere. <laughs> you say it like it's a bad thing. So what's your – so free peanuts? That's that's your that's, – that's not a downside. Well, I stand <laughs> corrected. All right, good. I'm glad I talked you off that ledge. <laughs> Well, John, I have two more things uh, on kind of actually everything's tying together very well uh, this evening. And I'm going to jump over to the stupidest epiphany that I had. Uh, I think it was last night or this morning. Ah, This is so dumb, but I want to throw it out there. I came up with a solution for Europa the ice moon. Okay. What's right. the problem with Europa, the ice moon? So Europa and Ganymede, the two moons of Jupiter have, uh, 
they say ha- have an interior ocean that's covered with ice that contains more water than all the water on Earth. And water is one of the building blocks to life, right? So here's my thought. We build a gigantic magnifying glass. And we shoot that sucker into space in between the sun and Europa. Boom. Melted. So then it would just flood Jupiter? No. (laughs) It would just melt Europa. Well, it would just warm Europa up enough to where the water could... Would not be frozen. So or defrost least... Europa. So I'm a, yeah. Other lo- okay, I get it. Okay. We use a giant magnifying glass to defrost Europa, and theoretically, if it's warm enough to defrost it, it would be warm enough to be habitable. I don't know what the atmosphere is like on Europa. I'm assuming it's not oxygen, so I doubt people could technically live there. Well, but but if you start melting a bunch of water and warming it up to where the water cycles it'll eventually shift. Correct. You would think that oxygen would naturally, uh, ex- you know, expel. Um, and so, see? Billion-dollar idea. We build a giant magnifying glass, and boom, life on another planet. Call that a stupid epiphany? I mean, a, a stupid epiphany was that stripper we saw a couple weeks ago. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> all right. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, your idea is not that far out of logic. There have been, um, I don't know if a giant magnifying glass has been proposed before, but definitely, um, what am I thinking of? Uh, shades. Because if, uh, and not shades like glasses, shades is in a giant reflective panel launched into space to reflect a certain amount of the sun's foil, light like when when people tan those aluminum foil things but for a first planet or a frozen yeah. moon okay because that's one of the things that have been suggested to start cooling down the earth because theoretically yes you would need somewhat of a massive sail but the you know it's the old thumb trick you know the the farther you hold your thumb out you know or the farther an object is, the more of your, your thumb can cover it up. Right. So you put the the, solar, the reflector far enough out and between the Earth and the sun, and you can, sh- you know, shield a decent amount of energy that's getting to Earth. I would assume I'm the similar is true with a giant magnifying glass pointed at Europa. I'm kind of shocked. Like, honestly, I thought you guys were just all... At least John was going to tell me that was the stupidest thing he'd ever heard. So the fact that you didn't just dismiss me, I'm like, hey, maybe it was such a terrible idea. No, because well, I mean. Stupid idea. A stupider idea was how about we build a sauna, a steam room around it, and then we melt it that way. <laughs> Come on. But Boom. I mean, That's something like that. Stupider. Yeah, something like that could easily be applied to Mars. Point some at the caps, melt the water. Release the oxygen into the atmosphere. I mean, you would need a lot more ice from asteroids and the like, but it could be done. Better than the idea of, you know, sending a couple thousand nukes and nuking the place. Yeah, that's not a good idea. But Yeah, let's put that option B. We'll, we'll try that last. We'll nuke it at the end. Don't, don't start with the nuking. Well, that was... 
for a little bit, a small amount of time, that was the leading way to terraform Mars, was to nuke the, the shit out of the ice caps and let the water kind of circulate the planet. Albeit, you know, heavily radiated, but still right, water. poisonous killer water. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Here you go, Mars. There you go. Here's water that'll kill you. Well, uh, thank you. You're welcome. Well, hopefully when Neil deGrasse Tyson is listening this week, he will forward my magnifying glass in space to the <laughs> right people. And, you know, things will do as they need to. I think he'll probably pretend that it was his idea, but you may not get credit for it, but you should still feel like an accomplishment that you came up with the idea. Hey, I got it on video and you know, audio, so technically <laughs> it's mine. Copyright. TM. Yeah. Right, <laughs> you, so hands off Neil deGrasse Tyson, who's not <laughs> Well I have I have nowhere near the means, brains, or you know, resources to make this happen, but let's do it. And it's funny you had an epiphany. I also had one this week. And it kind of led into my my topic I kind of wanted to talk about. And that is, I believe we're only one technology off from most people not being able to work anymore. You mean like not a techno, like a generation, like in like you mean like twenty? No, no, no. Like 10, one 10 technology, just one. From people not being able to work or not having to work? Not having the ability to work. Technology will take their jobs, so there's nothing for them yeah. to do? You know, automation right now, sure, that's that's a big risk, and that's going to slowly eventually you know, erode the job market. But there's one that would instantly cripple everything economically. And it's, it, it is far-fetched, don't get me wrong, but... It has its bases in Star Trek. Can you guess what it is? Klingons. <laughs> Pointy ears. <laughs> the Vulcan death grip. What do we got? What do you what do you got? The the replicator, the food. You know, we talk a lot about 3D printing and the like. And if you were to break it down. The, the food replication that happens in Star Trek is theoretically possible. And I only say theoretically because I have no idea. I, I never went to school for science like this. You know, I'm not a physicist or anything like that. But the food replicator is essentially a machine that created food, you know, well, in an instant. Now, it wouldn't necessarily be like that in the real world, but we're already getting close to that with, you know, like 3D printed meat and the like. If our technology gets to the point where we can do atomic atoms and arrange them in the precise way to form, you know, everything, the complex... I'm spacing on the word. Molecules, that's it. The, 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 the companies that make meat and make food now are it's it's like big oil or big tech or something and i see them having so much money to throw up regulations where i don't i don't see 3d printing food taking over 
normal means anytime soon. Well, I, I'm not disagreeing and, with you. I think my my point was, if this technology were to be invented, even at a semi-theater, or even if at a very limited or reduced function, it would balloon to the point where if all you needed to feed yourself was, you know, a couple buckets of chemicals a week, traditional, almost all traditional jobs would be gone. No restaurants, no supermarkets, you know, no farming, no pastures, no, none of that. It wouldn't be needed. Now, well, obviously, this is this would be like years and years and years down the line. But I mean, that was the thought I had: is if that there is one technology that would end it all, or you know, end most work, it would be that. In most, Chris, Chris, you were groaning. What were you? What were you grunting about? Uh, I mostly I don't like the concept because. I don't know how feasible that is, but in that respect, it would probably be pretty devastating to a lot of things if food were that readily available where you could hit a button and have a steak. But I mean, that you was... can't argue that, that it's not quickly moving that way because you were even talking about a few weeks ago with the 3D printed meat. No, I, 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 I see where you're going. I just don't necessarily like where you're going with it because you would lose something of that caliber of technology if, if what you're describing existed. You would lose a lot of industry. Uh, people would become essentially, you know, okay, well, I don't, have to work as hard to get my food so then I don't have to work as hard to maintain my lifestyle that would be terrible it would be such a, a... You, well you're you're missing out on the culture like a, you know f family food or the holidays like if you just hit a button and it comes out like there's no like yeah preparing old family recipes or barbecuing on holidays or I think it would be it's like it would be like without music if you're just eating the same well i'm not plas saying plastic food which you still have to buy well and and my thought was we're not going to get to the star trek level of you hit a button and out pops an earl gray tea you know you're not going to get that level of complexity what you would get would be you know hitting a button getting a steak hitting a button getting you know some tea leaves or something you know something to that effect where it can reproduce the structural elements of the you know, of the basic plant or whatever, you'd still have to cook and all of that. But, you know, you wouldn't necessarily have a refrigerator full of food. That's a different ball game, though, because I, uh, what it boils down when you were discussing that is my my brain goes to time. How long would it take to 3D, not 3D print necessarily, but... Let's say I want to have a cup of tea. How long are those tea leaves going to take well, to pop out of this thing? And see, that's I... that's why I'm that my point wasn't, you know, oh, this is a, a critical looming factor. It was a 
a hypothetical of the worst technology that would, if it became available tomorrow, what would happen? Oh, I agree. I think that something of that nature would probably most definitely kill the uh, industries and it would be devastating in a sense. Now you're going to have people rebelling against that technology, but you're also going to have a lot of people very accepting of that technology. And so it could, that would be a huge game changer for a lot of how we live for sure. And that, that was just the epiphany I had. Cause I was just kind of thinking of, you know, you know, the whole automation and losing jobs and all of that stuff, you know, what is, what, what would be the worst one? And I think that would, that is the one technology that will make or break society, in my opinion. And it's kind of food, like, as much as we rely on so many things in this world, food is one of the things that people are the most insecure about, generally. Well, because, and... I mean, you can go months without going to a department store to get stuff or order stuff on Amazon. You can't usually go more than a week or two without going to a supermarket or a market. Right. Yeah, you need food. Yes. Yeah, foods and food's just one of those things like you can survive for a week with no food. I mean, I'm talking period, like you can go a week without eating, but that whole week, all you're going to think about is how damn hungry you are and how nice it would be to eat something. So, yeah, and your bo your body's shutting down, and your brain is eating itself, and you're getting weak, and yeah, it's it's not a you could do it, but I wouldn't recommend it. A week without food, I don't care how if you have to lose five pounds for that prom or whatever, it's not worth it. Eat something. Yeah, and, and that's just when I was driving home, I was just thinking, you know, if that technology became available, you know, robots, all of that stuff, insignificant compared to that. That is well, the technology that should necessarily be feared when it comes to jobs. That yep. and people making balloon animals. Those <laughs> are the, two. the more interesting concept would be if those two things are combined with each other. You know, if you had a, a robot who you programmed to cook your food for you, you know, okay, wait for this ribeye to get done, pull it out, cook it for me. And eight hours later, here's your fully cooked ribeye steak dinner. Now you, I mean, you and didn't he have made to you a balloon animal. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right, go ahead. <laughs> as long as as long as it's not a dog, dogs are overplayed in the balloon animal game. So, All right, way to take a stand. That's your political plan. <laughs> Didn't know Chris, I had a stance on balloon animals. I, I know. Yeah. Anyway, but you know what? If a vote for me is a vote for balloon animals, okay. All right. <laughs> I like it, John. I mean, I don't like the idea, just because I think it would be a little bit uh, well too hard, too hard to come back from. But I like the concept. You know, I like the thought of uh, the premise that you threw out for sure. Because. Yeah, that's that's the thing that would change the world. Period. End of story. The day that technology is invented, the world will change. 
now can hmm. you make i mean going back just just you know case in point to it could you make it how would you say reachable for most people you know if you had this technology could you make it um everybody can afford it if because if it's something that only the rich can have then it's not going to do much so this would have to be something that you could produce on a mass scale that everybody would have then it's going to wreck the world but that would but, be the only instance is if everybody has it if only a few people have it big deal look at any technology though when cell phones came out only the rich had them because they're the only ones that could afford them the thing is, when you when stuff like that comes to market, it's going to be a race to the bottom to get it as cheap as possible to get it into as many houses as possible. Because if you break down, you know, any any organic matter, it's mostly carbon and water. You right. know, and amino acids and stuff like that. But theoretically, it's all possible to do and cheaply. Because carbon is, you know, as everyone knows, fucking everywhere. Now, Same the with... only other, the only other downside is you're not going to be able to go. Let's go to that McDonald's because that McDonald's sucks. <laughs> but again, something like that, you wouldn't necessarily. I mean, sure, like if it's, you know, you can't do cooked food. Yeah, it's going to be more just knocking out the grocery stores and the the farming and ranching. But if it can do cooked food and you could say, I want a Big Mac and it prints you a Big Mac, what's the point of going to McDonald's? That's true. If you can get diarrhea at home, why would I travel to go get diarrhea? Good point. Because <laughs> then traveler's diarrhea wouldn't exist. But just just to race yourself home, just to give yourself a thrill, yeah. <laughs> just to be, beat the clock with your uh, your seat cushion. Yeah, you know everybody's had that moment when they're going, dude. If that light turns red, it's game over. But I just, yes. <laughs> I mean that's that's my thought though. Is it? I just lost it because of that stupid joke. <laughs> <laughs> when you're sliding but... in the first and you feel. <laughs> Burst diarrhea, diarrhea. Come on, everybody. When you're fighting in the second and you can't wait another second, diarrhea. Slide in the third and you feel a big wet turd, diarrhea. You okay, all right. All right. Slide in the right. feel some foam. All right, that's, diarrhea, diarrhea. That's good. No, but on the flip <laughs> side, this could also be amazing technology because I'm sure both of you have had, you know, a meal that you will always remember. And granted, if you were able to have it every day, it would quickly lose its, you know, muster. But so the it, ability to clone your favorite meal. Well, it would be if something like this were to come out, it would quickly become the race to the base, best tasting food. Because it would be essentially just a program the computer would run. Right, best taste. It's the thing with fast food, isn't it just salt and fat? I mean, that's well, essentially yes. what people like. So it's just going to be computers printing out salt and fat as as much as it can shove into us, so we're addicted to it. But 
my point is, is you would be able to have meals that are that you can replicate every single time because it's nothing more than a program or, or you know, a string of, of numbers that the computer's reading to tell it what to do. So every time you hit, I want a Wagyu steak, it would print the exact same Wagyu steak. So you would know, hey, this is the, ex you know, I know exactly what I'm getting. See, this seems like it gives, this is giving every engineer a boner and every artistic person is screaming no. <laughs> in the, in the, uh, the cooking shows would cease to exist and that would right be... the cooking shows you hit this button and then you wait and the other cooking <laughs> show you hit this button and then you but, wait Ooh, see bam. I, and you, you say this <laughs> but i don't even think that would happen because you open up a door for more possibility because if you could have you know completely 100 percent ethically harvested meat that was synthesized from you know the machine you could have completely exotic stuff and you could have people trying ingredients that are so foreign and rare or just you know i guess foreign and rare works but you would be able to start experimenting and creating entirely new dishes that up until then would have been completely almost completely impossible without you know an extensive way to get a variety of ingredients my thing is, is i don't need a robot judging me for how many hamburgers i eat so you know it's gonna happen that data is gonna get collected and somebody's gonna say something this guy likes burgers send him send him a defibrillator <laughs> give him a pig heart oh wait we got rid of the pigs all right he's, never got, mind. he's got too much pork in his diet already no more pig heart okay Well, definitely an interesting uh, and thought-provoking topic, John. It's 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 fun. I mean, and it's interesting to think about. But I'm not for it, so you know, I'm gonna kind of ignore it until it happens. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna bury my head in the sand and like an ostrich, which I might eat one day because it's gonna come out of a robot. There you go. That's yeah. a good good system. No, but yeah, yeah, good, good. Uh, at least a uh, thought provoking. You know what I mean? Something to think about. See, we we both had good uh, thought provoking ideas, epiphanies. Uh, bet that doesn't happen again. I'll <laughs> both have epiphanies who are putting themselves through college. Okay. <laughs> uh, one last thing before we get over to Kirk's corner, John. Did you? I know you guys did uh, see the story about the. The Mars, the simulation they're trying to do where you go and live in uh, a, a 3D printed home by our uh, the, the people we talked about early on, Icon. Uh, it's to simulate Mars. You live on Mars simulated for a year. They're doing it in Austin, right? Austin, Texas? Yep, that's where Icon's based out of. And they uh, they have a thing where you go and you... Basically, they're saying, hey, we're going to try and 3D print a house with materials that we could find on Mars, uh, which John clarified, which was going to be mud, essentially, or Adobe. And you simulate, essentially, what it would be like to live on Mars for a year 
so that they can kind of hammer out the details of, okay, this guy went nuts. This guy did this. This house wasn't, or, you know, these rooms aren't quite big enough. Whatever it may be. See, and not to distract from the, the, the accomplishment, because it's a really good accomplishment. I just don't think it's it, it's necessary. I think Elon had it right with the boring company. Oh, you're talking about living underground? Yeah. Oh. Well, so not making structures, digging underneath. It. it what? Go ahead, Chris. Oh, I was just gonna say, like, uh, living underground—that scares me. But uh, one of the things I found interesting. And this is completely 180 from where you're at, but they were talking about how they're designing these rooms to be arches and and spears or corn. Essentially, they're trying to get rid of all corners so that people don't get like madness from looking at corners and feeling confined. So they want to have like open spaces in all the rooms. Which corners? Do. Screw these guys. <laughs> hands. Yeah, all right, less corners, so mine's better. All right, fine. I'm okay with that. <laughs> I, so obviously, it still has practical use because living underground 100% would drive people insane. Potentially, I, I would think so. But especially on Mars, especially without an atmosphere, you're going to want the most protection from A, the elements, B, radiation that you can get. And the other thing would be, can you get a temperature neutral situation down there? Well, well I heard see... the, Austin, the Austin company, when it makes the structures on the walls are Willie Nelson posters. <laughs> so that's odd. But, and that's the other benefit of underground is you are at that temperature neutral stage because the farther you go underground the less heat is you know transferred via cold or hot so it's easy to heat up and cool down without you know a ton of infrastructure like if you were to build something on the surface you have to deal with those extreme shifts from you know mild fall day to Arctic winter night, which means you're going to have to heat a lot of the base if it's on the surface. So two sweaters. <laughs> Whereas if you were to build these structures on the surface that could, you know, serve as obviously, you know, enter, enter, ah, enter and exit points and kind of just general sanity points where you could go out and, you know, look at the sky, you know, see the surroundings, stuff like that. That's a different thing to where, you know, if there is a colony on Mars, a majority of it's going to be built underground, I would assume. Well, what drew me to most of this story was the the space madness kind of discussion, because it, it's a huge sticking point for a lot of these missions which I've kind of come across since I've been looking at them is they're really worried about people's mental states while flying to and being on Mars. Yeah, I could see that. I mean, I <laughs> it's kind of a, a, a moot point since it's comedy, but look at Rocket Man. 
the movie. <laughs> Your Honor, I'd like to cite Rocket Man with Harlan Williams. <laughs> but I mean, it's, I, it's no, it's funny. It's great. But it, it, I see where you're going because yes, he was, you know, he was awake for six months where nobody else was, and he was starting to go crazy. Well, I get he it. He was crazy to begin with, and I think that was kind of the point. That was why he he did so well. But the boredom definitely would get to you, especially if you're cramped in this little spaceship. You know, granted. Well, Granted, the starship's big, and you you know you have some room to move around, but you know it's not going to be like living at home. So things no. are going to be a little more, a little more claustrophobic. And a month in, you're going to be going, "Are we there yet? Are we eh. there yet?" I I could see it the exact opposite though, because and I, and I forgot to bring up this point earlier, but I was reading that. They're actually going to offer loans for the people that want to go to Mars. The condition being that once you get to Mars, you help build the colony. And I could foresee, you know, a good portion of the trip out there being, you know, A, training, well, a lot of training, and B, recreation. Because it's that's going to be a different stage in humanity because as of right now you know we have astronauts up in space and everything but they're all professional you start sending a bunch of civilians to to another planet and lock them in a, a confined tube for 6 months i i would imagine freaky shit's going to happen People can't even handle four hours in a plane when someone tells them to wear a mask. So, yeah, three months of uh, don't open that oxygen tank switch. No, I'll do it. Yeah. People, <laughs> well, oh. I'm assuming they're going to vet at least a good majority of the applicants out. Because... Like a psych test? Just to, just, yeah, you're not, you're not going to go batshit. You're not going to, you know, solitary confinement and go batty. Well, I would assume that's probably going to be part of the, the assessment is once they get to the top, you know, X amount of people that they want to take to into space, part of it is going to be an isolation test. $450,000 is only the best of the best, so none of us are going, essentially. That's what I'm understanding. I don't know. I could probably handle myself. I, I would probably be on cloud nine. If I, you know, didn't have to interact with too many people and you'd have to go outside, you'd have to go outside. And the sun's rays, you know, radiation's even it's it's worse up there. You're going to burn. Yeah, you're, you're talking you're to keep... someone whose job is radiation. So, OK, so, you know, <laughs> yes. do you have any special power? Do you have any special powers yet? Cancer. I'm, I'm yeah. kidding. Oh, all right. <laughs> <laughs> Way to bring it down, John. <laughs> but on I mean, that, on that note, no, 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 that's it, that's it, no. Yeah, <laughs> it. We're getting to that point. Let's uh, let's switch over to wait. Can cancer is the lead in. Thank you. No, some comedy. I'm saying, let's lighten things up. Let's see what Kirk's got. All right, let's take a look around. Before we do, let's take a quick look to see what is different. I see on the table. What is that on the? It looks like a. Is that a flask? What is that? 
in my defense, I was trying to make an MRE and was running short on time, so I gave up. An MRE? Yes. See, I I don't know what that is, so you could tell me that's an MRE. I believe you. <laughs> it's a mili- It's a military meals ready to eat. Yeah. Oh, so. the, like rations. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Yeah. It fits in with the rest of the theme to this week. Got it. Okay. Uh, so I see a sunset with mountains. That's kind of cool. I see a goose with an axe. Uh, screw that guy. Yeah, it looks like a hatchet. Like he's gonna go. That's a goose that's going camping. <laughs> <laughs> Always gotta have a hatchet when you're camping. There's a reason you can see the horrific mountains. I'm trying to see what that is in the back, but I don't. I, it's too small. I can't tell. Is it a gas pump? Or, you know, a rocket? That's a oh. rocket back there? Specifically, right. it's the rocket from the intro a few weeks ago. Oh, cool new intro. Okay, there you go. I can see it kind of now that you pointed out, but. All right. Well, now I have an MRE instead of a glass of water, which I asked for the first episode. So we're still 23 weeks ago. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, you know, for Kirk Corner, I thought I would talk about the Olympics. Have you guys watched any of the Olympics? Not really. No. Not really. I well, the, I watched a little bit. I think I've no, there's a couple new sport. I, I saw skateboarding is now an Olympic sport, and they had rock climbing. Um, so those are just the big ones. But would you guys like to hear some of the lesser known new Olympic events? They're not getting the coverage, but they're still there. You guys interested? Yeah, I'm assuming like an ESPN eight the Ocho situation. Well, yeah, it's just the one there, you know, there's just, so, there's, there's only so much time. So they're only, you know, they're covering volleyball, they're covering basketball, but these are the ones slipping through the cracks. Like this is a new one. Uh, they have speed texting. That one is uh, a lot of drug testing for that one. Um, or they have synchronized water sliding, which <laughs> that's, I mean, it's awesome, but I still don't get it. Um, and then they had competitive dog rescuing because everybody that's, Especially if you're in Colorado. If you if you talk to anybody in in Colorado, they're like, My dog's a rescue. What kind? He's a mix of a lot of stuff. He's the dog. I don't that's nobody knows what their dog is in Colorado. All right. Anyway. And then a couple more. Um, they have uh, freestyle scootering, which is exciting. That's sort of in the skateboarding. Um, they have uh, competitive Twitter takedowns. That is <laughs> that gets nasty. That gets very hashtaggy and mean. And then the last one is the last Olympic event. They have a helicopter parenting where literally <laughs> like parent parents compete to enroll their child in college without them doing anything. And whoever does that first wins a gold. Um, so those are the, those are the new ones you guys don't know about, but here's the thing. They have so many new ones. There's only so much space. You have to jettison old ones. So would you guys, I have just, here's a couple, here's six or seven uh, events that they got rid of. You guys like to hear these? Go for it. All right. Um, so one they got rid of was uh, rotary fo- phone speed dialing. That was they're like they that's it's time has passed. They don't need that anymore. Um, and they got rid of the event of uh, tearing phone books in half because no one could find phone book anymore. <laughs> so they that's, couldn't. That's they couldn't more true than not. Oh yeah, good luck. They're like they, everyone showed up and they were chalked up and then nothing. So they tossed it out. 
Um, next one, this one is gone. You will no longer see the MC Hammer Toss. That one, <laughs> that was, it was not too legit to quit. Okay. Um, the, the next event, uh, another one, uh, the event was uh, paying a lot for this muffler. No more. <laughs> they decided, nope, nobody gets that reference anymore. So they, no more of that event. Uh, and they also got rid of the Havelina throw. I think that was just more of a typo. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the, the penis people didn't like it. Uh, the Havelinas were mean and hurting the people throwing them. It was just a no-win situation. So no more. Or more of the Havelina throw. Um, and then the last one, the event they decided to cut is the let your dog poop on a lawn and 50-yard dash. They said no more of that. You have to clean up your dog poop. So there's my Olympic update for you guys. Any questions? Kirk, all I have to say is the Havelina toss might <laughs> might be one of my favorite jokes you've ever come up with. Chris so, needs to uh, put it on a shirt. I think just the mental picture. <laughs> yeah, that that's that's a cartoon right there. Because you know it's it's squealing like and it's just mad. <laughs> Dude. Tiffany is totally making you a Havelina toss shirt. <laughs> awesome. I would I will wear that proudly and get shot down for dates. <laughs> 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 no, that's a pre-existing condition. So that's true. I can't really blame it. Like, is that a have? Is that a uh, alligator Izod shirt? No, it's a Havelina getting thrown. I'm gonna go over here. Okay, <laughs> I understand. Ah, <laughs> uh, I'm still laughing about it, Kirk. That was funny. <laughs> All right. Well, there, there's, there's Kirk's corner. So we'll see, we'll see what we got next. Yeah. For, congratulations, by on episode 23. This is number 23. Yes. Yep. Yeah. 23. Look at that. We are approaching 25, which is halfway to 50, which is 24 more episodes than we thought we would have. <laughs> look at you. Look at you doing math. Look at that. I never I, thought I'd see the day. I've been, I've been studying, Kirk. <laughs> I took off all my, my shoes and my psych. Man, that was amazing. You're, you went over your toes and fingers. Good for you. <laughs> Dreams can come true, people. Don't forget. All right. <laughs> See, I, not one time did I say you smell bad, Chris, because you do smell bad, Chris. Okay, I had to get one in. <laughs> I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> Just under the wire. I had to get it in before. Just I under like, the wire. Well, I John, feel like I forgot something. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I was trying to cut you off, Kirk. Thanks for that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> John, I do. I have an off topic, and I think Kirk, I didn't send this to you because I wanted you to see it and react to it. So, okay. John's gonna throw up a picture. <laughs> Did some? That can't be those fish. That fish is those real teeth. That yep. looks like it's got dentures. Yeah, that's a real fish. It's called a sheep's head fish, and. uh <laughs> this particular one was caught off of uh, North Carolina, like the coast of North Carolina. And it just got kind of viral because, well, it's got human teeth. And, it's got uh, nice teeth, too. Like, it looks like it flosses, <laughs> which I don't know how it does. How does a fish floss? That's no way. Algae. Seaweed. <laughs> All right. Algae. Okay. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, this is a real fish. And... Uh, Possibly, like, could you imagine if you were, like, swimming and, you know, 
Cherry Creek or something and you came across that thing? Yeah, that would freak me out. It's I mean just a fish it it could that could it seems like that could break skin. If that bit you, that could make you bleed. Yeah. I I it, it looks like Billing Ball's dorkfish. That's what it reminds me of too. Yeah. Well, yeah, it kind of looks like a donkey to me. A little bit. If, you know. And uh but seriously like I guess they have teeth like that cuz they live off of like must like uh, shellfish and anything they, they they eat a lot of crunchy stuff which is why they have human shaped teeth so that they can really get through those things but yeah what a creepy little uh, creation that was so that was my off topic I just wanted Kirk to see that real time so he could react to it <laughs> oh yeah creepy it looks it's a nice teeth though it looks like it had braces <laughs> Nice little orthodontry down in the ocean. Yeah. Yeah. So, anyway, I don't know if you guys have any other off topics. I figured uh, we are approaching the half hour mark. Well, hour and a half if we're keeping track. But uh, good show. I, uh, Kirk, did you have an off topic before I cut you off? A quick one. Basically, it was uh, treasure hunters found... Um... In a lake in Canada, uh, they found uh, whiskey bottles that were sunk in 1964. And uh, so if you're searching for alcohol for 60 years, I think you're an alcoholic. <laughs> I just say that. And uh, it was in a uh, it was in Canada and the lake was Otter Lake. And they knew that was where the whiskey was um, bottles were because the uh, it had the highest number of otter fistfights <laughs> and uh, unwanted pregnancies. So that's how they knew that's where. The... Sure. Seems legit. Okay. So there, that was it. <laughs> <laughs> I had t- two otter jokes. I'm done. <laughs> tough to, tough to top Pavelina, man. Just <laughs> like we should have probably mic dropped at that point for the show. Just That's stuff. true. The already said, I oh, should, we should have ended it there and end on a good note, but you know what? We like to leave kind of on a, ah, <laughs> it was all right. <laughs> <laughs> we want you, you know, see if we can redeem ourselves next week. There you go. We'll try to we'll try to end on an up note. That'll be the goal for episode twenty four. Two dozen. That's where we're at. Be uh, wow. Once again, doing math. Look at that. <laughs> well, all right. Well, let's close her out, right? Let's let's wrap. Yeah, her up. let's let's wrap her up. Put a little bow on it. So. Everybody, thanks for listening. Uh, we do have some new channels on YouTube. Not really new, but we've kind of highlighted them a little bit. We have yeah. Fused Fiction. Which is... Fused... Oh, sorry. Fused Fiction is the channel where I'm going to do my gaming instead of polluting the main channel with a bunch of Let's Plays of me playing games badly. I figured I'd put them back on my channel where, you know, I played games badly back then. Yeah, hey, it got me on Luck Be a Landlord, so it kind of worked. And then uh, also we have Fuse Crafts, which is a collab between John and his wife doing different pretty awesome crafts and just some things to to watch to kind of get inspired to do some different stuff. Uh, I liked it. I watched one today that was like acrylic popsicles. Oh, yes. 
it was real interesting stuff. I enjoyed it. And, that that uh, was a fun experiment. So anybody who does want to check that out, uh, subscriptions, always nice. And hopefully we'll be adding some more content to those soon. I'm actually hoping to do a little cross-promotion with the FuseCraft um, channel. So uh, that was just a little update on what some of the stuff we got going on. And uh, as always, thanks everybody for listening. And Kirk, any last words? No. <laughs> okay. We, we, all right, Kirk, we got a last word. Uh, for, for me, Kirk and John, have a good evening. John, you can have the last word tonight. All right, have a good one. <laughs>